Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. for this not to just be another service, another time that we're together, amen, but let the Spirit of the Lord speak expressly to our heart, amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you today. I thank you so very much for the power of the Holy Ghost and the gift today that you have given us. And that gift, Lord, is certainly multifaceted, but I specifically speak about the gift of our being here together this morning. I pray and ask you, O God, to let the anointing and the authority of your spirit and power touch our heart and touch our lives in Jesus' name. We love you today and we praise you. Amen. Hallelujah. What a great honor it is to be here today and aren't you thankful to be, amen, aren't you thankful to be in the United States of America? Praise God. That's all right. Glad to be in the United States of America. Praise God. You may be seated and we will be speaking more specifically in our second service about our Memorial Day and and um, ask the Lord to touch us today and give us the anointing and the special presence of His Spirit that we need this morning. In our uh, study today, I want us to go back to the book of James and uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 1 and verse number 9 in just a few moments. I'm thankful for the presence of the Holy Ghost that has met us here. Amen. We have several that are away this weekend, a three-day weekend, but we're thankful that you're here in this house today, and we're absolutely wanting the Lord to just know we have available hands, available minds, and hearts for him to speak to this morning. Um, We have been talking about, from the book of James, Sometimes in our journey and our walk with God, we encounter seasons of trial and we walk through valleys. Sometimes they produce more questions than answers. And um, I think for the most part, many people today can relate to those seasons of our lives. But we recognize that trials and seasons of our lives are, are not, It's not the Lord flexing his proverbial muscles trying to crush us, but it is God practicing and working as a potter to perfect us. And he works on our character and he blends into our spirit the value of understanding how to serve him when all is well and how to continue to serve him when things are not so well. 
Amen. We we would love it, you know, the the days that, that uh, when the seasons of time when the temperature is just right, it's not too wet, it's not too dry, and we just kind of think all of us in our own way. Wouldn't it be nice if every day was just like this? But it's just not that way. I um, I sent a text message a few days ago to a friend of mine who pastors in Oregon and uh, that particular day according to to the thermometer at least in my my truck it said 96 degrees and so I just sent him a text I said it's 96 degrees here the the humidity is just over a thousand and uh, (laughs) and I just kind of pray for us and uh, he sent me back a text and said that the temperature was 63 degrees and very low humidity, and he said it's 100% perfect. <laughs> so I just let that set for a little while while I prayed through. And I sent him back a text, and I said, you know, as a friend, you could have made that sound just a little rougher around the edges than you did After a long pause, he said, well, if this makes you feel better, back in the winter, we had 96 inches of snow in our backyard, and we had visited them one time a few years ago, and he took us up way in, I think it was on Mount Rainier, um, to a lodge there to kind of walk around, and he said during the winter, they measured a total of 41 feet of snow. And uh, so it all kind of brought it back into perspective. I just walked right outside, didn't have to kick any snow out of the way to get outside at 96 degrees and realize it wasn't so bad after all. So no matter where we are, we understand this. There are seasons of wonder and seasons of trying, seasons of grace that uh, just seems like it's just so easy to pick as though it were a flower. And then there are times when heaven seems like brass. Can I get a witness? Amen. So James in our study has given us five keys for persevering through these times because James certainly predicted or prophesied or understood that we would walk through times and uh, times of trial. And so far we've discussed four of the five keys that James gives us for persevering through, pushing through those times. The first key was that he talked about our ability to maintain a spirit and an attitude of joy. And uh, that's not just being giddy in a silly fashion, but to understand there's a deep-seated feeling of joy. Another key was the ability to understand where we are in our walk with God, an understanding of the times, an understanding of where we are. As in, and the next key that, that James gives us is the importance of knowing about the Lord, knowing certain things, having certain things so securely nailed down that we don't have to revisit that again. James wrote about in the in the springtime when you begin to see the, the new green leaves come on and the blossoms, he said, when you see that, you know that summer is coming. And so there are some things about the Lord we just know and we know that from past experience. It's not something we gained in a testimony service, a sermon, or a song, but just through sheer living, we understand that this is just how 
things go. The, the, the fourth thing was the importance of submitting our will to the Lord's will. And today we're going to talk about the fifth and final one of those keys, and that is understanding the power of humility. I mentioned at the very onset of this, that study, that God is drawn to both humility, amen, and God is drawn to hunger. And so when we understand the power of humility in our walk with God, I think we first have to understand when we're going through seasons of uncertainty, one of the first things that we must get our hand on, and we must remember that God has our best interest at heart. And so he's not trying to crush us or kill us. God has our best interest at heart. Secondly, everything that we go through is either brought on or allowed by God. Amen. The Lord will allow certain things just to flow into our life to, again, not to crush us, but to develop our character. And so with that in mind, James gives us the final key in making it through, and that is having a true spirit of humility a true spirit of humility. The Bible says in James chapter one and verse number nine, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away for the sun is no sooner risen with the burning heat, but it withereth the grass and the flower thereof falleth and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to them that love him. Amen. I'm thankful today for these passages of Scripture because in them they capsulize the hope that every one of us need when we are walking through times and seasons of uncertainty. James first addresses the, the brother who was economically poor. And so when James addresses the economically poor, again, we need to understand all scripture in context. By doing so, he was addressing most of those that were scattered and, and persecuted uh, the Jewish believers, he was, he was writing and addressing most of those. He was right where they live. He understood his audience, in other words. Many of them, no doubt, had once at least been, uh, if they had not been well off financially, they had sure, certainly been stable financially. However, they had their homes and all of their possessions confiscated, or perhaps they had to even leave them behind as they were fleeing their persecutors. At this time, their most common lot, the most common denominator among them, the audience of James, was poverty. It was people who did at one time have something, but had either had it taken away or they had to walk away from it. And so despite their circumstances, James said, you ought to glory in your circumstance. So I think it's important that we understand who James is speaking to. This was not just a general audience of believers that he said, you know, this sounds like a good topic. Let's just talk about this today. But he was writing to people right where they were. He was speaking right specifically into their life. So despite that, they were to glory in that. James is speaking of a legitimate reason for even the most destitute child of God to rejoice. 
And so I think as a child of the Lord that we have countless blessings over which we can rejoice. I can say to all of us here today, and I think be very, very safe, at least in, a, in a speaking to a majority of those, we have all had gains. And if I ask you to raise your hand, if you had gains, you could raise your hands. And I could say we all here have had losses and you could also raise your hands that we've had gains and we've had losses. But in it all, we understood that the power of God and the blessings of God so far outweighed all the losses. Amen. Uh, You may be considered nothing in the eyes of the world, but in God's eyes, we are exalted and we are important and what weighs on our mind and spirit, weighs on his mind and spirit. He cares. He absolutely cares. He feels what we feel. Amen. We may be hungry, but aren't you thankful that you, that you have the bread of life? And in times of thirst, aren't you glad that he is the, he is the water that still flows from the rock? Amen. We may be poor, but we have eternal riches. We have something that, that this world can't buy. And any time that man may cast me aside, God just draws me closer to him, and I'm grateful for that. Amen. We have, uh, perhaps some of us have, uh, wish we had more here on this earth. Amen. Maybe you wish you had a bigger home or a nicer car or a better paying job. Maybe you wish your health was better, and, and on and on and on that list could go. But we understand one thing for sure, that what we don't have here, we will have there in absolute completion. I'm thankful for that. And so when God in his wisdom and his sovereignty takes away sometimes physical things from us, it is for the purpose of causing us to mature spiritually. We've gone through some severe times in our lives, times that we didn't understand. Maybe we we would even say times that we didn't ask for. Amen, I don't know if I'm alone here today, but... There have been times I've looked around and thought, I don't even remember planting this seed. And yet I have a bumper crop. I don't remember doing this, and I'm not trying to sound self-righteous or live in denial, but there are some things in my life that it's, it wasn't the end result of a seed that I planted. But the Lord said, I'm going to take you down this valley because I want to show you something. I want you to mature. And so spiritual maturity really is a blessing. It really is a blessing. And it's more valuable than anything we could ever lose as far as this world's goods. Amen. Maybe we we didn't necessarily want the process, but we wanted the end result. I mentioned Wednesday night in our graduation service about how that we sometimes want the education, but we're not so willing for the teaching portion of that. Amen. We like the end result, but it's the process of that that really, really kind of, that really strains our heart. I don't want to tell you who this was today for, and so I will change the name or not insert the name to protect the innocent. But when the service was over Wednesday and I had talked about that, that we enjoy the education, but it's the teaching part that can get tedious in our lives It's the teaching that can try us and the teaching that can strain us. When the service was over, we were in the dining hall and one of our young students came up to me and he tapped me on the side and I looked down and he said, I heard what you said tonight. And he said, I don't like to be teached either. (laughs) 
<laughs> We've all been there, haven't we? I don't like to be teached either. At least he was listening. That's 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 what I took away. That's what I took away from the <laughs> Don't worry about the grammar later. I was grinning so much inside us. He got it. He got it. Life is always going to have its troubles. If you live very long, you figure that out. Job said it best when he said, Man is a few days and full of trouble. However, God takes advantage of the present situation. And he says, I'm going to use this to equip you for the future. I'm going to take something and I'm going to make something of this. I can, I can use this to form and to fashion. Today's trouble certainly is helping us to survive tomorrow's storm. And so the goal is still heaven. Am I right? The goal is still heaven. And so when, if someone is filled with the spirit of the Lord, we need to be able to accept some temporary discomfort because we understand that this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Amen, amen, amen. This world is not my home. I remember a few years ago preaching our Florida camp, Brother Jerry Dean, our evening speaker, just kept hammering home a point. It's a point I've never been able to dislodge from my heart and my mind because he said, made mention of that, the lyric of that song that I just said, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. And in that he said, for this world to not be our home, we sure are driving our tent stakes mighty deep. Amen, think about that. We sing that with our lips, amen, while at the same time we're driving the tent stakes of today deeper and deeper into the soil. We need to understand this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Simon Peter seems to define our inheritance when he says in chapter one of First Peter verse four, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, <clears throat> you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. John gives us a, a similar encouragement and calls for rejoicing in First John 3 and 1. He said, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Verse three, and every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. I'm thankful today to have that hope in me. Amen, that hope in me. I'm thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost. I wanna just thank the Lord as often as I can for baptizing me with his spirit. Amen, not just thank you, Lord, for the clothes on my back or thank you, Lord, for the home or the car or thank you, Lord, for my family, but I thank you for the most important thing and that was the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen, that gives me resurrection power on that great getting up morning, as the song said, the great getting up morning. I wanna have that power and I wanna...
thank him for the power of the Holy Ghost. Matthew 5 and 3, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In verse number 5, Jesus said, Blessed are the gentle, or the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. It is all of those reasons that Paul could say in Romans chapter 8, for all of those reasons. In verse 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And then Paul writes a very, very difficult uh, if we look at it in human terms, a very difficult thing to say, but because he could look at it in the perspective of spirit and flesh, he said, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, amen, he didn't deny his station in life, amen, he didn't deny what he had been through. His body bore too many scars, history was too complete, for him to try to whistle his way past some of the hardships of his life. But he came to this conclusion, I reckon. Amen, that kind of sounds like how we would say it, wouldn't it? I reckon, I, well, I reckon. Amen, I reconcile this in my mind. Amen, I have brought this to balance in my spirit that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. I am not denying where I am. I am not denying the bruises and the scars. I'm not denying the troubles nor the battles of life. But I'll tell you that whatever I have been through, if you study the life of Paul, you understand this was not just some willy-nilly writing here. Amen. Paul had truly been through some difficult times. But he said, I just come to this conclusion that everything I have walked through is not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed. Next, James presents, I think, the other side of this principle. Just as a materially poor believer should rejoice in his spiritual riches, he looks to the other side of the coin and states, or at least lays a principle that the materially rich believer should glory in his humiliation. Amen, wherever God has blessed you to have, understand this, it was God that blessed you to have that. <clears throat> we get in real trouble when we think it was our own wit, our own ability, our own shrewdness, that was who we are, what we are that has brought us to where we are in life. Amen, we ought to be very humble about whatever it is that God has given us. Amen, he's brought us a long way. Can you say amen to that? The idea here is that the believer who is materially well off or, or, or even physically well off, healthy and otherwise physically blessed, amen, we should rejoice as well when trials come because they te teach us the temporary nature of material things. It can be here today and gone tomorrow. Amen, it can be okay right now and our world can be completely upended in just a few moments forever, some kind, sometimes forever change. They teach us that material things have do not possess the ability to give us inner strength or inner joy or a lasting satisfaction. Amen. That doesn't give us the ability to have spiritual help. Both the rich man and his possessions, James begins to write about, 
are like flowering grass. It's going to pay, it's going to fade away. Peter reminds us that all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall off. That's just how it works. Amen. Because men, including believers, have a natural tendency to trust in material things. James gives special attention to the danger of putting all of your hope and all of your confidence there because it can all change in a moment, in a moment of time. It can all change. Amen. Expanding on the temporary nature of physical things and emphasizing the danger of trusting them, James adds verse 11 to chapter one. For the sun is no sooner risen with burning heat but it withereth the grass and the flower thereof falleth and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Amen. This is the picture of flowers and the grasses of Israel. They start out green and they start out beautiful. James knew his audience. He was writing to them right where they lived. By the time the scorching sun begins to bear down on them, Amen. He begins to remind them they wither and they die. It all fades away. Amen. The message is that all the fleshly and all the material things are very, very fleeting in nature. And I've often said, and I'll just insert it again here today for good measure, that some people don't really think in their mind, or at least how they act, that they could lose everything they have in a moment of time. And so we'll just stay with your argument if that's your argument. But I will insert this. While you may not lose everything you have in a moment of time, everything you have can lose its value to you in a moment of time. You could have $100 million, but if you've got three days to live, it won't matter. It won't matter. It, nothing in this world would matter, no matter what we possess, no matter what followed our name, no matter how many automobiles, titles bore our signature or how many land deeds bear our signature. None of that will matter if life, amen, just slow walks us down and life knocks on our door and that report of reports comes in. I, I'm not trying to be morbid here today, but I want us to understand that whatever we have it can, it's fleeting in nature. It withers like the grass. That's just what happens. It's just here for a season of time and then it goes away. Amen. That's just how it is. Amen. They are at this very moment passing away. Amen. Let me shock you today. You know you're dying right now. I am a dying man speaking to dying men. Amen. The flower of my life is fading right now. The grass of my life is fading right now. You say, well, you're just trying to sound unkind and morbid. No, I'm trying to understand. It was, we shared, uh, we, we shared, help me with this a little bit, Jackie. We shared a, a video a few years ago in a, in a marriage weekend seminar that we were having about marbles. You remember that and how a man uh, began to think about his life in the sense of just weeks. 
and uh, he was a man up in years, and so he got to doing the average of of how many years that he may have left, and so that amounted to a thousand. Was it a thousand? I think it, I think it was a thousand weeks, and so he said every Saturday I bought. He said I bought a thousand marbles, and every Saturday I removed one of those marbles. Amen. I think there's a consensus here in this audience today. Dear God, let him move on. <laughs> what? What happened to James? We were talking about James and you were doing such a good job talking about James. Now we're talking about marbles. It was a very sobering illustration. Every Saturday to get up and pull a marble out of that and you just watch that bag of marbles start dwindling down and down and down and down and it reminds us that time is marching on. What I'm going to do, it's whatever I have, whatever gift I have, it's fleeting in nature. It is dying in nature. It is, it is wilting and withering in nature. And so I pray that God will help us understand, and here is my point, that the only steadfast things are the things of God. Amen. You can stand on his word. You can build on his word. You can count on his word. Amen. You can have hope in his word. Amen, James, amen, the loss of material things according to James is meant to drive a person closer to God and help us understand the value of greater spiritual maturity to walk in him. Amen, at some point, at some point the rich man and the poor man are just alike. Neither material possessions nor the lack of them has any consequence in our lives. Amen, that's what James is driving at. Both the rich man and the poor man, let them stand on even ground, realizing, amen, that if I never have it, I'm gonna still walk with God, and the other man saying, if I lose it, and if I lose it all, I'm still gonna walk with God. Amen, therefore, the most significant thing that James is trying to nail down, amen, is a trusting relationship with the Lord. He has my hand. Amen, he has my life in his hand. He has my future in his hand. It's the Lord who showers us with both spiritual and material things. Amen. And so I pray, Lord, amen, I don't want to get lifted up in the seasons of plenty and I don't want to get, I don't want to lose out in the seasons of loss. I want to walk with you. Amen. I want to understand the power of humility and what it can do and what it can be in my life. Amen. Trusting the Lord to supply our needs. Amen, that can lift us beyond the trial that we're walking through. It lifts us to a position of an eternal place in the kingdom of God. <coughs> it's right here that the poor forget all their earthly poverty and the rich forget all of their earthly riches. These two find an equal footing by faith in Jesus Christ. We're walking by faith. And so when you lose something in life, when you lose something, amen, I don't want to be unkind, but there have been many people in this audience today that have lost some things, lost some things. Some have lost their health. Some have lost their loved ones. Amen, you lose, you lose those things. Amen, no matter what you have materially, it does not bring you comfort. Amen, let me just speak to those who have had some loss in their life. 
And I can tell you that when you've lost a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife or you've lost your health or you've lost some things that you cannot get back, it won't matter what brand shoes you're wearing. It won't matter what what brand suit you're wearing. It won't matter what the address that you live at. It won't matter the square footage of your home or the car that you drive. None of that will soothe us. None of that will help us because it just can't, those things can't buy peace of mind. Those things can't decrease the pain. Amen. But trials, hear me today. It's a great equalizer. Trial bring, trials bring all of God's children to one place and that is dependence on him. Amen. So while the material things of this world, and I'm not preaching against that. I hope you know that. I believe that God wants us to prosper and be in health even if, even as our soul prospers. Amen. But that those things that we have doesn't bring us closer to God. Poverty doesn't push us further away from God. Amen. No matter what our position in life, we're going to find strength when we trust in him. And so it won't matter when you suffered loss what you have materially, but it will matter what you have spiritually. Amen. You can lose a lot of things in this world, but if you have the Lord and you're in right relationship with him, your feet will not slip Amen, amen, they will not slip, but you can stand true and stand firm. I'm not talking about something supernatural taking place in our life. Amen, I'm not talking about some sort of visitation, so to speak. Amen, but God just may plant some stability in our steps. Amen, God may just put a little bit of fortitude in our, in, in our having done all to stand. We just stand. Amen, nothing fancy, nothing out of the way. We're just standing and walking with God. I'm also preaching today and talking to people that I know from experience have not just suffered loss, but you kept standing. You kept walking. You just you just kept pushing. Maybe there were days that you didn't feel so super spiritual, but you just kept walking. You just kept pushing. Amen. You just kept standing. Amen. It's, it, it's easy to be humble when you've walked through some things like that. It's, amen. <laughs> when, you, when you really realize where the source of our strength is. Amen. James 1 and 12, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. It's interesting that in this passage of Scripture, James 1 and 12, that, that word blessed or blessed is the same word that we read multiple times in Matthew 5 when we refer to the Beatitudes. Amen. Those Beatitudes that all begin with that same word. And so for the sake of comparison, if I could say it this way this morning, that sort of makes James and 12 a beatitude of its own. Blessed means much more than just mere happiness, and it means much more than just a carefree life that has very little conflict or trouble, but rather it carries the idea of a profound inner joy and a satisfaction that kind of just settles us, a joy that exists in our heart by virtue of our faith in God. Even as you faithfully and patiently endure and conquer trials, we're just holding on to the hand of the Lord. Amen. I, I could ask you today, have you ever walked through some things that you wondered if you would come out the other side? 
far more than just a 24-hour setback. Amen. And you just kept walking. You just kept walking. Made you understand the value of prayer even more. It really helped us to get our hand on the value of hiding God's word in our heart. It became so valuable. We went to church not just to show up, but we went to get really truly a word from the Lord to breathe life into us again, to strengthen us and give us direction. And amen, we we went there with an intent, amen, because we needed God. We needed God. The the Bible says in first Peter chapter one, verse six and seven, wherein greatly wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be you're in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. James um, James started this section by looking at trials and temptations and he connected with those the word joy. In verse number two of chapter one, in our very first night of study, we read, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Count it all joy. And now he ends this with joy as he speaks about the blessing. And so a man or a woman who perseveres under trial is that same person that never relinquishes his confidence or his trust in God. I'm gonna keep holding on to Jesus, we sing that song. I'm gonna hold on to him and I know that he will, excuse me, hold on to me. The principle is simple. Perseverance brings God's approval and his approval brings our the crown of life. In the end, James promises a crown to those who patiently endure. He's not saying that enduring trials saves the sinner. He's not implying that. He's he is saying that enduring trials, trials rewards a believer. Amen. He says, I'm going to give you something for that. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you something in exchange for what you have been through. And so how are we rewarded? I think we're rewarded in multiple ways, and I think he deals with that. I think, many, I think many biblical writers deal with that. But I think one of the very first gifts that we have for the things that we go through in life is trial. It is character, amen. It builds our character. It develops us in who we are. It establishes our steps a little more firmly, amen. We grow in our walk with God. We grow in who we are, amen. I, I understand more today about God's mercy and his grace than I did when I first started living for him. I can tell you that I understand a whole lot more about God's grace today than I did when I first started preaching. Amen. I'm going to say I can understand more about God's grace today than I did five years ago. Why? Because everything that God has allowed to come my way, he has used that to shape your character and to settle your steps. And and uh, when before someone may be a little bit prone to give their opinion about something, you go through a few things after a while. Your opinion list is shorter. Amen. A little more quick to say, you know, I just don't know. (laughs) 
We've heard it said what a shame it was when we were teenagers. We didn't write down all the answers when we had them. You're 18, 20, 25. You don't even blink. Somebody offers you some moral crisis and you just, hey, you've got the answer. And it's, excuse me in my poor approach to this, but the longer you live, the dumber you get. Right? I know I, know I run a risk of offending a few, but it's not the dumber you get, it's just the less opinions you have about those things. The dumber you may appear, maybe, that I should have said. <laughs> I don't know. It's too late to try to fix that, I guess. But I used to be real nervous about saying, I don't know. I'm not nearly as nervous about saying that anymore. There was a time in my life I felt like I had to have all the answers. I'm being very serious. As a father, as a husband, as a pastor. I mean, you just get presented some crisis, you need to fix this. And I've come to realize that it's okay to say, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do about this. Here's where we'll start. We're going to, we're going to pray. We're going to seek God for some wisdom. Am I, is this all right, Brother Gibson? I'm, this is where we are. Amen. James is saying that there's something about trials that that trial gets you off your pedestal. That trial will take the crow out of your voice first thing in the morning. It'll pull you down. Amen. And it puts some humility in us. And that power of humility helps us to walk in an established way before the Lord. Our steps are sure. We don't have to take back near as much because we're just walking in humility. I don't have all the answers, but I know one who does. So we're going to put our trust there and we're going to put our confidence there. We're going to nail some things down. We're going to pour the foundation. We're going to pour it sure. You see that Satan wants to use tests and trials to bring us down, but the Lord is using them to lift us up. And so we have this promise. Amen. If we will but keep the faith in the Lord, God will bring us through. And here's what Paul said to, to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and 8. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Hallelujah. Amen. God has something laid up for me. He has something laid up for me. And I will tell you today that if God... If, if God, according to Malachi 3.16, is recording our conversations, if God, according to other scriptures in the word of the Lord that my wife has used through the years, has counted our tears, amen, then you rest assured God knows every sleepless night. God knows every anxious mile we've ever walked with him. Amen, God knows every moment and everything that we have ever felt and this journey, amen, and God is gonna reward, he's gonna put back. Amen. That reward, friend, may not be a raise or a promotion on your job or a bigger home or a better car. Amen. That reward may be the, the, the foundation of Christian character. He just puts something in your heart. He just puts something in your spirit. A love for him that cannot be diminished by time nor circumstance. The power of walking with God in humility. Fight the good fight of faith. 
We need to take hold of eternal things to which we've been called to do. Another great apostle gives, uh, gives us the same, uh, that same confirmation in that of, of Simon Peter. He said in chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4, When the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. <laughs> Hallelujah. You shall receive a, a crown of glory that fadeth not away. This crown is referred to as the crown of life or the crown of righteousness or the crown of glory. Praise God. It's the same crown that's going to be received by every believer. Amen. And so I will conclude today by, by reminding you of this, that James concludes the verse by saying that the Lord has promised this crown to them who love him. Love him. Amen. Why did James use love? I think because love is a spiritual motivation behind every imperative in this book. Love, love, love. Amen. Why do we have joyful attitude when we are in trials? It's because we love God and he loves us and we know that he will not harm us. He will not, he will not do anything to just upend our lives. Amen. For the sake of upending our lives. But God is at work in us. God is, is at work in our life. Amen. We have an understanding in our heart and mind because he loves us and he has shared his truth with us and we love him in return. Amen. We have surrendered our will to him because we love him. Amen. Where there is love, there is surrender and there is obedience. Amen. Why do we believe? Why? It's because we love him and faith and love go hand in hand. And so when you love someone, you trust them. Can you say amen? And you do not hesitate to ask them for help. Praise God. Let's stand together. Love is the spiritual force, the spiritual force rather behind the imperatives that James gives us. If we love God, then we will have no trouble trusting him, even in the midst of a mess. James clearly associates that faithful perseverance under trial with genuine love for God. He associates perseverance with being one of the surest evidences of those who love him. John repeatedly connects the love of God with genuine faith. Amen. First John, he says, the one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Praise God. Aren't you thankful that you know him? The last few um, days, most specifically, certainly the last couple of weeks, for not any particular reason, I don't suppose, but my wife and I unconsciously have been doing a lot of reflecting upon our earlier years. And uh, we've, we've, we've more than once come to this conclusion by looking at each other and saying, how do we make it? When you start thinking about anybody ever, anybody here ever been through any nonsense? Okay, <laughs> I can I can appreciate you not being real proud about that, but I think we've all we've all just been through some tough stuff, and you just look back and wonder how in the world, how in the world did we get through that? At the time, you know you're in it, but when you get 
away from it and look back, you're going, wow, wow. And it just reminded us again and again that God had his hand on us. He was just holding us. The admonition is don't get proud over those moments. Walk with me humbly, humbly, because I can lift you up and I can press you down. Walk humbly before me. And my prayer today is that I will always and that we will always walk humbly before him. Amen. We serve a wonderful God today, full of power. Amen. James is saying there is power and humility. Walk before him. Let the hand of the potter do what he will because when he is finished, amen, we will be a vessel of honor and not a vessel of dishonor. Praise God. Can we lift our hands together and maybe magnify the Lord for his word today? I love you today. I thank you, Jesus, for this privilege to be here for this time together. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.